First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. As you're turning there, I, uh, myself and my wife had an opportunity to go with your children uh, just a little while ago, and we let them know about Toys for Tots. Uh, if you would like to sign up or if you know anybody that wants to sign up for Toys for Tots where your kids receive gifts because maybe uh, this year uh, your, your Christmas tree doesn't look uh, all that full. And matter of fact, if anything, you're just lucky to have a Christmas tree and you say, you know what, uh, I have a family or I have friends, I have neighbors that they, uh, they need some gifts this year. Uh, go ahead and sign up in the back after service, Toys for Tots. We have it there available. And believe me, uh, we let your kids know that there's Toys for Tots. They're going to let you know that there's Toys for Tots. And, uh, but I also want to encourage you, if you can, even buy some gifts for uh, those that are in need this year. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. I'm excited because I know the end of the message. Verse 22 says, To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Shake your neighbor's hand and tell them it's time to save some. Then you may be seated. Back in 2005, myself and my wife, we moved to the city of San Diego. It was a world-shaking experience for myself. Number one, I just got married. That's world-shaking. Then I moved to another city. A majority of people, I knew none of them. But nevertheless, we knew that God had called us, and so we moved. We moved from the Bay Area, and the Bay Area is filled with so many different nationalities. This is kind of a melting pot. We have so many different, uh, I mean, cultures that are here. You can go from one street to the next street, and you can hit the African culture. You can hit the El Salvadorian culture. You can hit the Puerto Rican culture. Uh, we got, uh, even in, in South Hayward, we got a whole bunch of Samoans, Polynesians. I mean, and that's just in Hayward. But the Bay Area, we are filled with so many different cultures. When I went to San Diego, there was one. A little bit of American thrown in there, but it was all Mexican. I mean, everywhere you went, there's a taco truck or taco store on the corner. I mean, just everywhere. Uh, and, and matter of fact, uh, they, they had these carne asada fries. Oh, my gosh. Hallelujah. I mean, it was just, I, I've never had any sort of angelic food like that before. I mean, it's just awesome. But the thing is, it's all over the place. It's everywhere you go. And I'm used to the Bay Area. See, I'm used to the Bay Area here. I mean, we've got the Raiders. We've got the Niners. We've got the Giants. We've got the A's. We've got the San Jose Sharks. Uh, if you like the, the uh, soccer, we got the Galaxy. Then on top of that, we've got great colleges up here. We got Stanford, Cal Berkeley, uh, San Jose State. I mean, we have all these different sporting teams that are just all over the place. In San Diego, they got the Padres and the Chargers. That's it. They love their Chargers. 
They love their Padres. One day, we had a family day out in Victory Outreach San Diego where all of Victory Outreach, uh, we went and we bought tickets to the Padres game. And uh, we took as many people as possible. Also, the mother church was there. We had over 150 people that came down to San Diego to watch the Padres versus the Dodgers. Hallelujah. Now, if you know me, I'm an avid Giants fan. And if you are a Giants fan, you do not like the Dodgers. It's like God and the devil. They start with the same letter, Dodgers and devil. That's cold, huh? That's cold. See, that goes to show you how deep-rooted it is, right? Myself and my wife had just been there about six months, and they had a game there in April, Padres versus Dodgers. And I'll never forget, uh, me and my wife had just taken over the young adults' ministry. They had challenged us, take over the young adults. Sure, not a problem. So that game, we were going to, I said, you know what? I'm going to get in there, and I'm a, I hate the Dodgers. And the Giants are not playing, so I'm going to wear a Padres jacket. No big deal to me. It's just the Padres. I went, and when I showed up, I, I want you to know something. The people that came from the mother church were ragging me. What are you doing? I thought you were a Giants fan. You're a ranker. I mean, just go. I mean, going off. There, there's, there's a guy there. I'm not going to say his name, but it, it rhymes with Jimmy and, and, and Gonzalez. And, and he was running up and down the stairs, running up with this sign. You know, uh, they actually made a sign that said, God loves the Dodgers, right? I mean, they were just, and they, he was running up and down. Now, the game started, and the Dodgers were winning. Matter of fact, by the fifth inning, it was five to nothing. So that goes to show you that the Victory Outreach San Diego was not having a good time. Victory Outreach, the mother church, was having a great time. They were, I mean, they were like, ah. And, and I remember I was sitting down in the front, and the, and the way it goes, there's about 150 of us, and it kind of goes pretty high. And so I remember they were just ragging and ragging. Finally, I'll never forget in the middle of the game, because they were ragging on all the people from San Diego, but nobody from San Diego was standing up. None of them. Because they, you know, when you're losing five to nothing, you got to take it. You just got to. It's just the way it is. So I remember it was about the sixth or seventh inning, and they were ragging. They were like, yeah, Dodgers are winning. Dodgers are going to win. You guys stink. You should have never came. We took over your hometown. I mean, they were going at it. And I remember I just stood up. And I'll never forget that. I stood up, I had a Padres jacket, and I turned around. I go, that's right, baby, Padres. And all the Dodger fans, boo. But I had a few of the Padres. They looked at me, and they were like, yay. I guess. Nobody else is doing it, but all right. So it was the ninth inning, five to nothing. I was like, you know what? I just want to beat the traffic. We're going to go. I have a few of the young adults with me. So we left. I got in the car. As I was getting in the car, I can hear the cheers from the stadium. Like, What's going on? The Padres scored five runs in the bottom of the ninth inning. Now, if you know sports, that's very rare. That does not happen. They scored five runs. In the tenth inning, they scored the winning run, and they beat the Dodgers six to five. Right? Now, the next day, I go to church, 
And one of the OGs, now if you know San Diego, they're very, what I live. They're very OG. They're very, you know, they get that hardcore. What's up, Holmes? Cristo vive. That's just how they are. And one of the OGs, one of the ladies, I'll never forget this. She came up to me. She goes, did you, did you see it? Did you see the one? I go, yeah, you, you guys won. She's like, yeah. She goes, and this is what she told me. I'll never forget. She goes, we won because you wore that jacket. I go, yes, you did. <laughs> Anything to beat the Dodgers. That day, I won more than wearing a jacket to win a game. I actually won over Victory Outreach San Diego. I won over a lot of them. You have to remember, there in San Diego, there was a lot of people coming in and out, in and out, in and out. They were coming with big-time expectations. They were coming with big-time, oh, this guy's a pastor. He's a leader. He's going to do this, and he's going to do that. And they would backslide, and they would fall. And that was constantly happening there in that city. So when I came, and I went over there, and I became a part of that, it was just like something changed. Something just shifted in the culture there within the people. No longer was I just a young little whippersnapper. Now all of a sudden, I became a part of them. And I was like, wow, thanks for that. There was a commercial that came out some years ago that said, it's only weird if it doesn't work. Right? You ever seen that? And it was referring to fans doing crazy things to win a ball game. Fans wearing, you have to wear a certain jacket because if I don't wear this jacket, my team's going to lose. But if I wear the jacket, my team's going to win. If I rub the hat at the third quarter, at the fifth minute, my team is going to win, right? Just, okay, I have to have this pregame meal. If I, if I eat this pregame meal, then it's going to work, right? And that's what the commercial was talking about. It's only weird if it doesn't work. Here, the Apostle Paul, this man was sharing something as an ex-Christian persecutor sharing a radical method to win souls. Paul did some radical things to save souls. He went beyond the norm of what everyone else wanted to make fun of. He did something that was very radical. When you read the scriptures, his desire to win souls far outweighed his very own body. He took self-sacrifice to another level. Why? To save souls. He went city to city. Why? To save souls. He was exposed to constant danger. Why? To save souls. He received 39 lashes from the Jews five times. Why? To save souls. He was beaten with rods and shipwrecked three times. Why? to save souls. He went without sleep and even went without food or clothes. Why? To save souls. He was willing to be anything or nothing to do this or to do that if by any means that he might save some. Soul saving had become a master passion of his soul. He was in the world for it. Everything must be subordinate to that one thing. He would do anything to make sure that souls would get saved. Go anywhere to make sure that souls would get saved. Somebody once said, it's to one's glory to deny themselves that he may serve Christ and save souls. And, excuse me, in 1985, my father bought me a jacket for Christmas. Do I still have that jacket? No, I lost it. Who cares? It's just a jacket. 
1997, I was swimming in the ocean and I was drowning. A girl passed by, gave me a boogie board and saved me. Do I still have my life? Yes. Why? Because she handed me something and saved me. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that, listen, toys, they come and toys will go. Things you obtain will come and things you obtain may go. But when somebody saves your life, you will never forget that. On that, You are on this earth to save lives. This holiday season, listen, you are not here a part of that family just to give gifts. You are here to give the greatest gift of all. And that is the gift of salvation. My friend, Jesus Christ picked me up. He turned me around and I will never forget that. Shoes I might lose, but my soul, I gave it to Christ. The Apostle Paul understood this. This is United We Can Sunday. What are we talking about? United what? United, we can reach the world. United, we can go and we can preach the gospel all over the world. Listen to me. This is very important. I like what Leonard Ravenhill once said. He said, today's Christians spend more money on dog food than on missions. That's the kind of culture that we live in. We live in a culture where we pay more for other stuff than we will to preach the gospel. But the apostle Paul, he made it very clear. This is what God has called us. Listen, not me, but us to do to reach the world. Now, as I was reading this scripture, this really kind of got me because there was actually a lot. I actually started reading the whole chapter and chapters after. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, look with me here. Let's read in just verse 16. I don't know if you have it there. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. And kind of put into context because as I was reading it, it really kind of opens up really the scripture of becoming all things to all men. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 16, he says this, For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. Boom, for those of you in leadership right there. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. Though I am free, I, be I belong to no one. I have made myself a slave to who? Everyone. To win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not freed from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I become weak. To win the weak, I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. As I begin to read this scripture, you know what all things to all men, you know what this scripture is really talking about? You know what he's sharing? It's a race issue. It's a racial thing. That's what it is. It has to do with race. Because that's what he's talking about. To the Jews, I become a Jew. To those under the law, 
I become like them. To those of this class, I will be that class. To those of this class, I will be of this class. It was a racial thing of what he was talking about. So if there's any time, I believe, even in America, where we need to start winning some souls of different races, it's right now. United, we can. See, Paul was a Jew, but he also had Roman citizenship. In other words, it's like this. I myself, I'm a Latino, right? People look at me and go, oh, are you Mexican? I, I, like, I always get that question, and to be honest, I'm like, I, I have to say I guess because I don't speak any Spanish. I know more Caucasians that speak more Spanish than I do. And I like Mexican food, but I also like hot dogs. I like grits. I like fried chicken. Like, I like everything. I like abondigas. I like pasteles. I like it all. I just like a little bit of everything. And what's funny is that well, as I was reading the scripture, that's kind of how I took it. Because people always ask me, hey, what is your name? So to those who speak Spanish, mi nombre es Devan Pineda. I sound like I speak Spanish, right? I have the accent. Hallelujah, gloria a Dios. En español, alcanza victoria. But to those who uh, I could tell, like, uh, they don't speak no Spanish. I'm like, uh, what's happening? Uh, my name is El Steve. Steve-o. What's happening? Steve? It's funny, like, even my wife sometimes, she cracks up at me because at certain, when I watch even certain movies or certain things, I don't, I don't know why. Don't ask me why. It's been like this since I was a kid. When I watch like an Irish movie, all of a sudden I just start talking like Irish or something. Like, ah, oh, the luck of the Irish. Or, Get me some lucky charms, you know. I had a friend of mine who was, when I was in high school together, his name was Aditya. And so he would always constantly talk like he was, you know, because his parents were from India. And so I would go over his house, and I'm not kidding. I would talk like this when I would talk to him. I don't know why. It just... My brain automatically does it. When I was in the Philippines, oh, salamapo, thank. Everybody thought that Agi was the he was the, uh, the the director of what is going on over here in the Philippines. He uh, he only knew like two words, you know, oh, salamapo, and they go, oh, this is our this is our Tagalog guide. Follow him, you know. He even looked Filipino. Yes, thank you, Jesus, and. Uh, I still, uh, even in Indonesian, when I was in Indonesia, ah, terima kasih Tuhan. I still remember, terima kasih Tuhan. That's all I knew, which means thank you, Lord. Ah, uh, so when people would be like, you know, they, they, would, they would talk to me, i go, ah, oh, terima kasih Tuhan. That's all I knew. That's all I knew. And you're right, just terima kasih. Thank you, thank you, terima kasih, terima kasih. That was it. For some reason, I just, it, it, it's weird. You have to be, I can't explain it. You, have, you just kind of have to be around me when it happens. But I'll start becoming whatever that culture or ethnicity is, for just for some reason. I don't even do it on purpose sometimes. It just happens. Hudson Taylor was a British missionary to China. He spent 51 years in China in the mid-1800s. Taylor was known for his sensitivity to the Chinese culture and zeal for evangelism. 
He adopted wearing native Chinese clothing even when this was a rare when this was rare among missionaries of the time. The society that he began was, was responsible for bringing over 800 missionaries to the country of China who began 125 schools and directly resulted in 18,000 Christian conversions as well as the establishment of more than 300 stations of work with more than 500 local helpers in all 18 provinces. He became what God told him to be. He became what God had called him to be. The, the word become, look at this. The word become means to change into, or look, I like this one, or to grow to be. To come into being. To become whatever it is that God has called you to be. Some of us got to start becoming what God has called us to be. I'm going to say that one more time. Some of us got to start becoming what God has called us to be. Some of you, you got to start eating some Chinese food. You're going to be going to China real soon. Some of you, you got to start getting some Indian food in you. You're going to be going to India real soon. Some of you, you got to start learning how to speak Russian, Mother Russia. I don't even know if that's the accent. I just made it up right now. How would you know? You've never been there. Some of you got to start learning how to speak Hindu. Because you're going to be going over there one, one day. It's becoming. What are you becoming? Paul understood this. And listen, in our American culture, what are we becoming? Are we becoming all things to all men? Or are we becoming what the world wants us to be? Are we becoming like Kim Kardashian? I see all the girls, oh, I want to be like her. I want to be like this. And we wonder why people are going to hell in a handbasket. I want to be like that movie star. I want to be like that musician. I want to be like that singer. I want to be like that fashion icon. And so all of a sudden we're wondering, man, the church needs to do something. We are the church. God has called us to become all things to all men and do anything by all means possible to save some. Some of you right now, you know that you're called to go other places. Start becoming that right now. If you know you're called to go to Africa, start becoming African right now. If you know that you're called to go to Germany, start becoming German right now. If you know that you're called to go to Italy, start becoming Italian right now. Paul understood what it was to become all things to all men. God was sharing something with Paul. And Paul had called, Paul understood this calling. And especially in today's day and age, we think for some reason, as I've read the scriptures, I don't know what it is, but all of a sudden, in today's technological age, it's almost like we feel like God is calling us to be the smartest person in the world. Like, I need to be the smartest person in the world. You know, technology has a, 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 its good side and it has its bad side. Because for some reason, it's almost like, well, I read it on the internet, it must be true. I read, I, it must be, it has to, it's almost like, and then all of a sudden, it's kind of creeping into the church now. It's creeping into the church to where, because we've, I've read it, it's in the history books, it's there, it must be true. Listen, my friend, God has called us to study his book before we start study other history books. If you are not studying this book, my friend, no matter how smart you think you are, your smartness is like filthy rags unto the Lord. Doesn't matter how smart you become. Into the world's report card. Doesn't matter. 
That's not what God has called us to become. God has not called us to be the smartest people in the room. God has not called us to be the smartest person in the school. God has called us to reach the world. And by any means possible, I have become all things to all men. That's what God has called us to. God has called us to reach out and reach the world. Listen, this is very important. It's very important. As I was even studying, I heard Charles Spurgeon. He said, others think that the object of Christian effort should be to educate men. Education is exceedingly and is an exceedingly valuable thing, but if the church thinks that it is sent into the world merely to train the mental faculties, it has made a very serious mistake. Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost, and on the same errand, he has he sent his church. That's what God has called us to do. Our victory is in our outreach. We're called Victory Outreach for a reason. We weren't called this by mistake. Even Paul said it again in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 33. He says, I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Paul says that I might save some. You know, that's wisdom right there. He says, I become all things to all men that I might win everybody. No. He says, that I might win some. My father used to say it all the time when we do these dramas, we'd pack out places, pack out auditoriums, pack out this whole place. And he would always tell us before the drama, he'd remind us, he said, listen, if we do this drama and one soul gets saved, it was worth it. It was worth it. Now, if you look at the scale and the scope of other businesses and they go, well, how much money did you put out? How much effort and energy into the volunteer uh, uh, you know, breakdown did you put out? How much did you have this? And if you were to look at the scales of business, you would look at it and go, well, I wouldn't do it. That's not a good investment. But see, those people don't know the investment of souls. Those people don't understand the investment of what Paul was trying to say when he says, I'm going to do everything that I can even if I just win some. Coming to Victory Outreach Hayward was worth it, even if Greg got saved. It was worth it, even if just Toby got out of Newark and into the call of God. It was worth it, even if you, Ronnie, just came into the home. It was all worth it. See, Paul understood what it was like. He had a lot of experience and wisdom that came with that. He says, listen, I know that everything that I do is not going to win everybody. I know that everything that I do is not going to touch everybody. But what I do may win some. It might get a few. When we do these day of hopes, we reach a lot of people. When we do these dramas, we reach a lot of people. When we had tailgate church, there was a lot of people. Did everybody come? Do we have a packed out church? No. But we get some. We get a few. And in understanding that, we know that our victory is in our outreach. This is what God has called us to do. I heard a preacher say this one time. He says, have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you're not saved yourself. Be sure of that. If you have no desire for others to get saved, then my friend, I wonder if you yourself are even saved. That's what he was saying. Because the calling of God is to have the, sa- the saving power of Jesus Christ and listen, and to share it. To share it. This gift is so good, it's better than any expensive box that you put under the tree. 
That's how powerful this gift of salvation is. See, I know a lot of us, a lot of times, we try to uh, put things under the tree and we try to obtain certain, uh, you know, relationships because if I give you this gift, therefore you're going to like me. Therefore you're going to love me. Paul understood this and he said, look, I'm not trying to give you no gift under the tree. I'm trying to tell you about the man who died on the tree. If I can give you him, I've given you the greatest gift. If I can get you to understand who he is, then we can get this. See, Paul used three simple methods, and I'm not, I'm not even going to elaborate on them. They're very quick, and they're very simple. Number one, the method that Paul used is that he simply preached the gospel. That was it. He just preached the gospel. A lot of people tend to think, well, if I have a microphone, and I can go up there like the pastor or the preacher, and if I could preach like that, then I will preach the gospel. Paul actually if you read his life, so on your own time, I'm telling you, just read the biography, read the life of Paul. It'll just blow your mind. Paul was a nutcase. He was crazy. He was a nut. He would preach to anybody and anything that had ears. Anybody. Now, you have to remember, Paul understood this. He was a Roman citizen, but he was a Jew. You're not supposed to talk to certain people. You are not supposed to go below the law. That's a lower class. But Paul says, no, 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 no. I become all things to all men. I'll go down here. I'll go up here. Where do you want me to go? You want me to go to the left? I'll go to the left. You want me to go to the right? I'll go to the right. Wherever I can go to preach the gospel, I will preach the gospel. You want me to go into the prison? I'll go and become a prisoner. Matter of fact, he became a prisoner quite a few times. You want me to go and reach, talk to the sailors? I'm going to go out there. I might get shipwrecked, but I'll become a sailor. Because why? I'm going to preach the gospel. Wherever, with any means necessary. Listen to me. I'm trying to get this in your spirit here today. This is United We Can Sunday. We're talking about reaching the world. And if we're going to reach the world, some of you, your world has to get flipped upside down. Some of you here this holiday season, your world's got to get flipped upside down. Some of us, we're getting so caught up into the world and the things that come our way. And I got to have the latest shoes. I got to have the latest clothes and the latest this and the latest that. And all of a sudden, my friend, if you're not careful, you're involved with all the latest things. It might be too late. But, 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 but God, I just, but God, listen, God put us on this earth. So that we can, number one, worship him in spirit and in truth. But and also, when we worship him and we uplift him, all men will be drawn unto him. If you lift up his name, then my friend, you're preaching the gospel. I know we're in a day and age right now where it's kind of looking a little bit more gloomy, little by little, where we shouldn't be preaching the gospel. Don't preach the gospel. Somebody sent me a video the other day, and uh, they said, you know, pastor, watch this. So I watched it a lot. You know, everybody always sends me different videos of different things. But this one really got me because it was, a, I guess, a, 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 a city in Florida. They, I don't know if you saw it, but a city in Florida, they were having a city council meeting. And they were getting ready like every morning. They go up and, you know, they, they do a prayer. And then, you know, then they do the, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I forgot the, do the American flag, Pledge of Allegiance. Right? So before the Pledge of Allegiance, they did a prayer. This is what got me. The camera was on. It was sitting there. And they record all the meetings all the time. And all of a sudden, they said, uh, the, the head council member said, let's all stand for the prayer. They stood up, and there was about 10 councilmen 
and women, six of them walked out. And I was looking at it, going, okay, what's going on here? They all walked out. A man walks to the podium, and he stands there, and he sees the six walk out, and he goes, duly noted. And then he goes, our father, who art heavenly, Muhammad, we pray to thee, Buddha, if you're listening, and if Jesus, who thinks he can forgive sins, like all the, and it's just total mockery of the whole prayer. And just went, I think he even said like, and if Santa wants to come and give any gifts, we as atheists come and we say, you know, because usually we say, you know, in the name of Jesus, amen, right? I'll never forget, this is what he said. And he goes, and at the end we say, so what? And then just walked off. And I was waiting for like, like, oh, this is a joke or, oh, this is, you know, not real. Something like that. And I was like, did this really happen? And then all of a sudden, the people that walked out, because they knew it was going to happen, they walked back in just to do the Pledge of Allegiance. The Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, United States of America, to the Republic, which stands one nation. They said it real loud, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I said, man. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying that little by little, it is getting more difficult to preach the gospel. It is becoming harder and harder to preach the gospel, to share the gospel. Paul knew this, but Paul, when you read his life, he was beaten, sent to prison. This is my, this is my thinking. Some of you, look at this. How many of you, raise your hand real quick if you've ever been to jail or prison. Raise your hand. Okay, go ahead and put it down. If you've ever been to jail or prison for stupid stuff, and I mean stupid stuff. Some of you went to prison for dumb stuff. Like, if I were to look at your rap sheet, I go, you I mean, I look at Greg's rap sheet, I'm, makes me want to spit like five times. So what are you saying, Pastor? If you can go to jail and prison for something so dumb, Paul is trying to convey to you, you still might go to prison, but you might go for the gospel. Are you ready for that? I become all things to all men. When I was in Indonesia, I didn't know. I passed out a flyer. The guy came up to me with a shotgun, and he started speaking in Bahasa. I'm looking like, wait, what's, what's going on here? And they came up, good thing, the, you know, I kind of went off on my own. I, wisdom now, amen, don't go off on your own. And I went to the guy, and he came up with a shotgun. And I, Whoa, I didn't know you can't pass out flyers in Indonesia. They will send you to prison. And the thing about Indonesian prisons is that they do not care about you. They will throw you in prison, put the key, and whatever happens to you, happens to you. They don't care. You're an American. Matter of fact, you represent Christianity. If you die, they actually think, well, praise their God. You know, good. One less Christian. They don't care. And that's happening in the largest Muslim country in the world. Don't think for a second that type of understanding is not trying to come over here. 
See, right now, everything is good. Everything is great. We got Christmas. We got Thanksgiving. We've got Easter. We've got all these different things as Christian. We do our shaking the bay, and we have tailgate church. And we have all this. What happens when all the tailgate is gone? What happens when all those things, you can't do them no more? Oh, I can't preach the gospel. I can't go to church anymore. I can't do that anymore. There's no church, therefore, I'm not a Christian. Paul says, no, 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 no. I become all things to all men that I might win some. The second thing that Paul did after really simple was the first one, just preach the gospel, just share it. The second thing is that he had a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer. Somebody say prayer. Somebody say prayer. Somebody said a great painter said he mixed his colors with his brains. A preacher ought to mix the truth with prayer. There's a story of a man who was breaking granite by the roadside, and a minister passed by. He said, ah, my friend, your work is just like mine. You have to break stones, and so do I. Yes, said the man, and if you manage to break stony hearts, you will have to do it the same, uh, you will have to do it the same way I do, and that is to get down on your knees. Listen, my friend, if we are going to go and reach the treasures out of darkness, we're going to have to learn to get on our knees and pray. Some of you here this morning, I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how awesome you think you are. I don't know how great of a speaker or what you think you can offer the church. Well, I can do this and I can do that. And I've got all these great ideas, my friend. If you do not know how to pray, you will not know how to stay. It's not going to happen. Paul understood this. Paul was constantly in prayer. I can imagine him, he being out there uh, a day and a night, he said, well, I was out there shipwrecked on the seas. I can imagine him just praying and talking to God. Can you imagine a whole day of just nothing but prayer? You know what we're going to do in the month of January? And I want to challenge you, for those of you that you have never done this, I want to challenge you. We're going to get into the whole month, in the month of January, the whole month is going to be dedicated to nothing but prayer. We're not going to have any classes. We're not going to have any discipleships. We're not going to do, uh, you know, any uh, uh, tailgate or nothing like that. No parties. It's going to be all prayer. We're going to saturate 2015 in the month of prayer of January. Nothing but prayer. We're going to do prayers in the mornings, prayers at night. We're going to do prayers in the afternoon. We're going to do prayers at your job. We're going to do prayers at your family's house. We're going to go in front of your neighborhood, in the community, and we're going to walk around the community and do nothing but prayer. We're going to dedicate the whole thing to prayer. Because prayer is much like my third period in high school. It's PE. I used to have PE, right? Physical education. Well, I have PE. It's called prayer and evangelism. Evangelism is no good without prayer, and prayer is no good without evangelism. They need to come together. Paul understood this. That's why he constantly, constantly was in prayer. This is something that you and I have to understand. If we're going to become all things to all men, and you're saying, I want to go to that country, find that country on your knees before you find it on your feet. The last thing that he had was an intense passion, an intense passion. His passion made him adapt himself everywhere that he went. The adaptation that Paul had, he got it on his knees and he moved with his heart. He moved with his hands. He moved with his feet. 
Today we're talking about United We Can Sunday. I want to challenge some of you here. Some of you now, you've been coming to the heart of the bay. You've been a part of the heart of the bay. But I, I, I feel that even at some of these altar calls, God's been putting some countries on your heart. God's been putting some cities on your heart. Some of you, maybe God hasn't put an exact city, but God's been saying, I'm going to launch you out and I'm going to put you somewhere. And listen, some of you, that passion, it's got to start driving you. Listen, it's not going to happen because the pastor says... Are you hearing me? See, a lot of times we think, okay, well, if the pastor tells me, then I'll go. No, what is God telling you? What about your Savior, your Lord, your soul's provider? What about him? What is he telling you? And if he's telling you, hey, sister, come on, it's time to go. We, we got to start getting ready. No, God, I don't, I don't want to do it. No, come on, we, we, it's time to get up. We, we, we got to start going. Got to start praying for that country. No, I, I don't like that country. I don't even like that person that's from that country in my school. I don't even like her. She gets on my nerves. No, 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 come on, start, get up. Got to start praying for her. Got to start praying for them. Well, I don't even know. Man, that guy at my work, man, I don't even understand a word he says. Why does he talk like that? Well, maybe because you start getting up, start praying for that. Maybe one day I'm going to start giving you that language. You got to speak, start speaking like that. Maybe one day you're going to start going over there maybe one day you're going to go over his house and start eating some of that food and start start relating to what they're doing passion it goes beyond the natural means i love the apostle paul because he was a crazy nut he did anything and everything just to win some i was reading a story by charles spurgeon i'm gonna end with this he tells a story he says in switzerland where land is very precious because the rock overflows and the rugged soil is reluctant to give, you see this husband looking after a little tuft of grass growing on the edge, uh, on the edges of a lofty cliff. From the valley he had caught a sight of it and thought of scalping up, scaling up to where it grew, but the rock was all too steep. From a ledge near the top of the sharp wall he looked down but could see no pathway to the coveted morsel of grass. That armful of grass would feed his goat or help to fill the cottage loft with winter food for even a cow. Every armful is an item and he cannot forego the tempting clump. He looks and he looks and he looks again, but he looks in vain. By and by, he calls his young boy who can follow wherever there's a treacherous climb, but the boy, after a hard scramble, comes back with the news, Father, it cannot be done. The father answers, boy, it must be done. It is only an armful and would not be worth anything to us, but to the poor mountaineer, even a small gathering's worth is precious. The grass waves its flowers in the breeze and scorns the daring climbers from below. But where there is a will, there is a way, and what cannot be reached from below must be gained from above. With a rope slung around him and firmly grasped in his seasoned hand with a heavy stake and a tree to hold it up above, the boy is let down till he gets to the protruding cliff. There he stands with his sickle, reaps the grass, ties it into a bundle, puts it under his arm, and climbing back again, joyfully returns with his little harvest. Poor pay, you may think, for such a dangerous toil. But fellow worker for Jesus, I wish we were as adventurous for souls and as careful of them as these poor peasants are concerning miserable bundles of grass. 
I wish that we sometimes looked up or down upon apparently inaccessible spots and resolved to reach immortal souls who were to be found there and agonized to bring them to Christ. If we were as hungry as this father and son to reach a small bundle of grass, Hayward would be flipped upside down. If we were just a little bit, just a little bit. Listen, I know we come to church and we, we, we come and we say, man, I, I can't wait to come and to, to see my brother and to see my sister. But my prayer is, is that when you come and when you get filled that the, throughout the rest of this week that you go out there and you empty yourself. You find that cliff. You find that little place where nobody wants to go and you figure out how to get down there. How am I going to do that? I've never climbed a cliff before, but I'm going to climb this cliff. How am I going to do that? I've never been a boss before. How am I going to witness to my boss? I'm going to find that cliff, and I'm going to witness to my boss. I'm not even Mexican. I don't know how to speak any Spanish, but I'm going to find that cliff, and I'm going to go speak some Spanish. I'm going to figure it out. My father, six foot one, huge man. He don't know nothing about no lumpias. He don't know anything about going to the Philippines. But he said, God called me, and I'm going to the Philippines. I don't even know anybody in the Philippines, but I'm going to go. Why? Because i got to find a cliff. There's some grass over there. i got to find a cliff. There's some drug addicts over there. i got to find a cliff. There's some gangbangers over there. i got to find a cliff. There's some prostitutes over there. i got to find a cliff. There's some pimps over there. i got to find a cliff. There's some treasures out of darkness over there. See, far too often we, we trip up over things that we have not obtained yet. Well, I don't know how to do that. I've never spoken like that. I'm not educated enough to do that. But God says, I'm not trying to give you education. I've given you an anointing. Your victory is in your outreach. Your victory, listen to me, this is very important. This is one of the most important messages of the year for me as we close out this year. If we are going to continue to be victorious in who we are, then we have to be an outreach in who we are. I know there's other churches doing other things, and that's awesome. That's great. That's, that's powerful. That's who they are. But we, we're a little bit different. When you got saved, some of you, you were lowered in a basket out of your city, out of your hood like Paul. Get out of here. We don't even want him anymore. Get this dude away from me. This girl is getting on my nerves. Perfect. He says, that's fine. Paul says, I understand that. And I'm going to get everything that I can. But I'm going to become all things to all men. To the Jews, I will become a Jew. To the Africans, I will become an African. To the Filipinos, I will become a Filipino. To the Mexican, I will become a Mexican. To the German, I will become a German. To the Russian, I will become a Russian. To the Indian, I will become an Indian. To the Guatemalan, I will become a Guatemalan. Listen, I don't know what God has called you to become, but some of you, you got to start growing into whatever God has called you. And the moment you get that, the moment you begin to understand the outreach of becoming what God has called you to do, all of a sudden you will find the victory in your outreach. You will start seeing little things all around you. You see victories here, victories why? Because you climbed a cliff, you dropped down, and you got just a little bit of grass. Put it right here. This is my soul's harvest right here. 
Some of you, you got to start harvesting souls once again. Just start harvesting souls. Harvest souls at your job. Harvest souls with your family. Some of you, your family's coming to you. You ain't even going to them. They're coming to you. Some of you start, got to start getting your sickle out and say, okay, here we go. Start harvesting some souls. Start praying for them. It's simple. Preach, pray, and passion. That's it. Preach, pray, and passion. People tend to think, well, I have to take phase one. And after I take phase one, then I can do, well, if I take phase two, if I come up here, I have to go, no, preach, pray, and passion. That's it. It was simple. Everybody else was trying to get too deep. Listen to me. I, I know who we are as Victory Outreach. I know what God has called us to do. I wish it would be awesome if we had a, a church filled and packed out with hundreds of people, but I would rather have a church that is doing what God has called them to do going to places where God has called us to go and seeing the victory in our outreach. This quote, I said this a couple of months ago, and I close with this as it comes to the keyboard. This has been something that has been in my prayer practically every day since I quoted it a few months ago. It says, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish... Let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. That's been in my prayer for the past few months. Putting it in there, God, if they go to hell, they're going to have to leap over my living body. I wish that I could do everything and everything than anything that I can. But I know that I'm going to become all things to all men that I might win some. I wish I could get all of the city of Hayward to come and we should have church. It would be awesome. But I can only do the things that God has called me to do and I might win some. Paul understood that. Paul got it in his wisdom and his experience. Listen to me. Don't stop doing all things. You might win some. Don't stop doing it. Don't stop going. Don't stop preparing. Start becoming. I have become. Well, I don't know how to do that. If you know how to preach, you know how to pray, just add a little bit of passion. Stir it up and let it go. But I don't know how to preach, pray, stir it up with some passion let it go so we gotta start stirring it up once again been talking about it for a long time a women's home we don't have a women's home well, I don't know how to direct women women get on my nerves and I'm a woman I've heard a few women say that I can't do it women get on my nerves I think because women get on your nerves you might just be running a women's home just my thought just, I'm just saying I, we can't legally, we cannot open a youth home unless we have, I think we have to have one uh, doctor home in, uh, on site, I think it is. We have to have a doctor on site and then another licensed uh, counselor on site and a live-in home program for, for youth, 17 and under, right? I've looked it up. I've studied all this stuff. I don't know. 
I'm just saying. We used to have a youth home. We used to. But all of a sudden, all these laws and policies, and you know, what's funny is that that's what Paul studied to be, was a lawyer. He's a teacher, that's what he's studying to be. So he understood it. Become a rabbi, become a teacher. I know the law. I understand the law. He says, I am not under the law, but I will still go under it for the sake of them. I'll do whatever I got to do to win some. I may not get everybody, but I'm going to get some. Some of you here this afternoon, you got to just start getting that mentality. I might not get everybody, but I'm going to get some. Maybe not everybody's going to like what I do, but what I do, I'm going to get some. Not everybody's going to like me, like what I do, like what I say, but I'm going to get some. And the some that I get, we're going to give God all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. There's so many different needs that our city has. And if each and every one of us were to understand what Paul was trying to share and say, man, then this church would be packed out. Because if you got some, you got some, you got some, you got some, and you got some, and we just got a little bit of some, a little bit of some, we'd have a whole lot of something in here. We'd have a whole lot of something. This place would be packed out with something. But it's up to us. Listen, this holiday season, I understand we want to give gifts and we want to do this and we want to do that. And I pray that you're blessed this holiday season. That's my prayer. I want you to be the most the blessed church on the face of this earth this holiday season. But the one thing that I love is that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So if you don't get everything you want, I pray that you give everything you want. That's my prayer. To give everything. Give all. Give all that you might save some. Stand with me here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Bow your heads with me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, you would touch the hearts, the minds, the bodies, the souls, Lord God, of those that you've called, Lord God. Father, we've got a lot of men and women that have a lot of ideas in their heart, a lot of passions upon their soul, Lord God. I pray right now, Lord God, that they would start becoming that which you've called them to become. Use them for your honor, for your glory, Lord God. Our victory is in our outreach. Our victory is in our outreach. Lord, that's who you've called us to be. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to prepare to sing this song. And listen to